Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. It's good to be in the house of God for the third time this afternoon, a little bit earlier than usual. How many of you guys like this time? 3 p.m., yeah? More than 6 p.m.? Yeah. (laughs) Some of you guys have been, this is your third service. Raise your hand for those that, look at that. Some of you guys have been here. I guess it's a little more more difficult when you've been to all three services, right? But it's good. (laughs) I love that laugh, Charlie. I heard it all the way over here. But regardless, it's good to be in the house of God, and I want to share with you guys a message today titled, Winning On and Off the Field. Winning On and Off the Field. Tell the person that's closest to you, God wants us to win. On and off the field. How many of you guys are getting ready for the Super Bowl? How many of you guys are actually going to watch it? Raise your hand. There's two kinds of people. The kind of people that watch the Super Bowl for the game, and the kind of people that watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. And then there's a third type that watch it for both, right? (laughs) Man, you guys are ready to go. You guys are, we should consider changing it to 3 p.m. every single Sunday. (laughs) Well, the youth just came from an amazing retreat, right? The crash course. They had the crash course this past weekend, and it's so good to see young people hungry for God and going after what God has because he's an unlimited source. Right, And sometimes it's not that God doesn't want to give us. It's just that we're not willing to get more and to go in deeper. But every time you go in deeper, you get more and you receive more and you feel strength. Right, And it's good to see how many young people were touched and ministered to through the power of the Holy Spirit this weekend. So back to the Super Bowl. right? We're going to be talking about winning on and off the field. Now today it's interesting. It may play out to be a historic Super Bowl. Considering that Tom Brady and the Patriots, as you guys know, they're in line if they win today to break a lot of records. Then there's, <laughs> how many are in favor of the underdogs, the Atlanta Falcons? I count myself in with you guys. <laughs> but check this out. Like every other Super Bowl or competitive game, for that matter, two teams always go out confident that they're going to win, right? Right now, as they're getting prepped for the game, both the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots In their minds, they're champions. They're going for this. They believe with all their hearts that they're going to be champions. But only one team ends up really being the champions and holding up the Vince Lombardi trophy while getting showered with champagne. Only one team. So it's crazy to know that some of the most successful people on the field or on the stage or in the public eye are also some of the most unsuccessful, unhappy or lonely people off the field. And you guys, you guys hear about this when you guys hear news about celebrities or you guys are shopping at Publix or wherever you do the groceries and you see the tabloids and you hear about how many Hollywood marriages fail. You guys read about how tough football players commit suicide because they're in extreme depression after the game. Celebrities that are constantly being followed or taken pictures of by the paparazzis later comment on how lonely they feel after they're away of that public scene. So we can conclude that chasing money, chasing success, fame, chasing power, 
may make you a winner on the field, but in my 40 years of life, I've realized that what really counts is what happens off the field. So I want you to tell the person that's close to you, what really counts is what happens off the field. Tell them, you got to make sure you're a winner off the field so you could be a winner on the field. So why settle for enjoying success two hours in a week? If the rest of the week you're going to be lonely and you're going to be depressed and you're not going to be successful, I'd rather make sure that I am successful and I'm happy and I am on the top of my game 24-7, 365 days a week. And the Bible tells me how I can do that. I think that's why we're all here, right? Today I want to share a story of a guy. It's an interesting story because it's not like most stories in the Bible. And you'll see why as we move along. Go with me to the book of Judges chapter 13, the story of this guy. He was called by God just like you and me have been called by God. God wants us to be a winner in the secret place. And as long as you could make sure you're a winner in the secret place, you will always be a winner in the public sphere. But first, you need to go in deep like we were just talking about and singing about, right? And you, you need to make sure you're a winner in the secret place. So Judges chapter 13, if you're there, say, I'm there. Y'all there, okay. Judges 13, 1 through 5. We're going to read plenty here, okay? I'm just going to use this entire chapter and the following chapter as well just to present a point. It says, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. That's how old I am. That's my lifetime, Jesus. Because these people didn't follow God, because these people weren't diligent in being winners in in the secret place with God, in their relationship and their devotion to God, the Bible says that because they fell off God's protection grid, that they were delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines were the enemies. These people were up to no good, even though they were God's people. They turned their backs on God, started worshiping other idols, and God delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines had dominion over them. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now. Everybody say, Indeed now. Wow. Let me tell you, those words are powerful, especially when you are expecting something to happen. This lady was barren, couldn't have kids, really wanted to. Maybe there's people here that you're really wanting, there's something, there's a wall that doesn't let you, and you're barren, maybe financially, maybe you're barren like her, you want to have kids and you can't. Or maybe you're barren spiritually or in, in so many areas. But a word came from God and said, indeed now. Like, it's going to happen. Get ready. This is certainty. You are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Just because you're barren today doesn't mean you won't hold a child in your arms tomorrow. Just because you're feeling depressed lately doesn't mean you won't smile again. Can anybody say Amen. Just because you have an illness doesn't mean you won't enjoy a healthy body again. Just because you fell, just because you're lost, just because you failed doesn't mean you won't get back up and win and succeed. Y'all follow me? You see where I'm going with this? So verse 4. Now therefore, please be careful. And here comes God's instructions. Because every time God shows you the plan and what he wants to do in your life, which has set you free from all those things that are keeping you from enjoying life, there comes instructions from God. And he starts telling this lady, now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive 
and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. How many say amen for that word? Uh, can we go quickly? I know this wasn't in the notes, but can, we, can you put 1 Samuel 1, 11? Because I saw Jesus read this. And it has a little bit to do with what we're going to talk about. This guy, this baby that's about to be born to this lady that couldn't have children. She was barren. The Bible gave her instructions that she couldn't do. She couldn't drink wine and she couldn't put a razor to his head. And here, Jesus was reading this today when he was ministering and challenging people to be generous. And it says here in the bottom of the verse, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. What is this about being a Nazarite and razor upon his head? Well, the word Nazarite means one who lives apart. Okay? So Nazarite means one that is separated for God. And it also means one who has made a vow of abstinence. This is a person in both of these cases. Samuel, which was promised here to Hannah, and also the person that we're studying now that we're going to find out who he is in just a little bit. God from the womb said, look, I'm going to separate this person. So, man, you got to make sure that you do all these things right because that person's going to be separated from me. I'm here to tell you that even before you were born, God had already separated you. God had already chose you for great things, and he had amazing plans for your life if you could just believe it. But he says, look, be careful not to do these things. That's why sometimes we go to the Bible and, and we say, well, why, why does God say that we should do this? And why does God say that we shouldn't? Because God wants, you're separated for God. Some people think that it's a bad thing, but when you're separated for God, you're under God's covenant. You see, the enemy can't come and do whatever he wants with you. You're guaranteed protection. You're guaranteed favor. You're guaranteed grace because he who protects you is he who provides for you. And he is not just anybody. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the great father that maybe you never had. So he gives instructions to this lady, and it's a long story. I mean, she's all alone here when she hears this, and then she's like, oh, my gosh, I wish my husband would hear. She went home after this happened. She told her husband, oh, my gosh, you would never guess. This man just came up to me and started telling me that I'm going to have a baby. You know how long we've been trying? And, and she started sharing, and he's like, man, I missed out on it. And the Bible says that this guy started praying to God, God, please, please, I, I want to hear it for myself. I want, I want this man that you send, this person, to come and tell me. So once again, a few days later or a few weeks, I don't know how long transpired, the Bible doesn't say, but the same person that came to tell this lady about the son that she was about to have came again and certified. And she's like, wait, 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 can you hold on? Let me go get my husband just a little bit time Okay, so she went, got her husband, brought him here, and then the husband, you know, started saying, okay, so what's, what's going to be of the work? What is this son that you're promising going to do, and what does he have to do? And he started telling him everything that he told his wife. And then the Bible says that this guy said, look, why don't you stay for dinner? Well, cook a little young goat. And the guy says, no, you know what? I got things to do. And while they were preparing the young goat as an offering to God, the Bible says that this guy that gave him that message just disappeared and they realized that it was an angel of God. It was an angel that God has sent to give them this message. And look what happened later on, just to make the long story short. Verse 24 and 25, it says, So the woman bore a song, a son, sorry, and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Began to move upon him. I loved the testimonies this morning about the young people, the, the youth that went to the retreat, to the crash course, because 
there was a lot of emphasis in the spirit. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit like I've never had. And, and this is what makes the difference. And for this guy, even though it was Old Testament and you don't hear a lot about the Holy Spirit moving in the Old Testament, Samson was a person that the Holy Spirit will come upon him. And here we see in verse 25, and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. I'm praying that God will send the spirit to move and, and not let you sleep at night and start to do crazy things in your HOBs and start to minister in your life like you've never experienced because this is still available for us, even more so now. So Samson, for him, it all started with a calling before he was even born. God called this man before he was even conceived. And with the responsibility of the calling came instructions. You can't drink wine, he told his mom. You can't cut your hair because of the whole Nazarene tradition, right? These were certain things that people that were separated were known on. They, they, they wouldn't drink wine, they wouldn't cut their hair. And because the Philistines were the enemies, the angel didn't specifically tell them, but the people of Israel as a whole, they already knew that it wasn't allowed for them to hook up with girls of the Philistines, all right? If you were a Jewish guy, if you were Hebrew, you dated and you married Hebrew girls. You wouldn't mess with the Philistines. So this was something that the angel didn't tell them specifically, but as a whole, the nation knew that, man, these are our enemies. We're not going to give our sons and daughters to their sons and daughters. We just don't mix. So God has called each and every one of us in our own special and unique way. And just like Solomon, he has given us instructions to follow. I want you to turn to chapter 14 now, the following chapter. And really quickly, I'm going to give you guys a few things that God did through this man. This guy was incredible. He was used by God. He was one of the judges of Israel. Okay, before there were kings in Israel, Israel was guided by judges. God spoke to these judges, and these judges carried out what God wanted to carry out over their people, and they practically led the nation. So in verse 5 of chapter 14, it says, So Samson, we're going to read of some of Samson's success on the field. All right, everybody say, on the field. What's well, on the public eye, right? On the field. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against them. Now JTP Church, what do you do when a young lion comes roaring against you? You run. Yes, you run. You take off. But interesting enough, see, when the Spirit of God is over you, you do things that normal people don't do. And verse 6 says, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. I want you to remember that phrase because you're going to see it repeated in a lot of things that this guy did. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hands. So with his bare hands, he got this young lion and ripped him apart. Don't try this at home, people. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that must be your calling, all right? So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him when he was threatened. I want you to be able to catch that, okay? Now turn to Judges 15, the following chapter. We're going to read a little bit more of what this guy did on the field, his success on the field. Verse 14, it says, When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. First it was the lion that came and threatened him and came against him. Now he has his, the enemies, the Philistines, they came against him. And then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him once again. And the robes that were on his arms, they had him tied up, and he pulled a Houdini. The robes that were on his arms became like flax 
that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found the fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Everybody say, he killed a thousand men with a bone. Yeah. And then Samson said, he even made a little song or a little rhyme about it. He said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps up, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. All right, I guess he was excited and he decided to, you know, write a little rhyme there. I don't personally think Samson was a huge guy physically. The Bible says that whenever he became threatened, whether it be through a lion, through the Philistines, or a situation coming upon him, the Spirit of God will fill him and move in a mighty way. That phrase appears every single time he's threatened. So I think that this guy was probably just normal looking, but whenever the power of God or whenever he felt threatened for whatever situation, the power of God will come upon this guy and will give him incredible strength to the point that he could kill a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. Or he could just tear up a young lion in its prime with his bare hands. I believe that when the Spirit of God is moving mightily in your life, man, there's nothing that can come against you. As a matter of fact, just like Samson, I believe that the Spirit of God comes upon you whenever you start facing opposition. You realize that he wasn't always filled of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that whenever he was threatened, right, the Holy Spirit will come upon him. How much more now that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? Whenever you have a situation, you have all the resources that you need to be able to overcome it. Whenever you get a bad news, whenever you get a bad report, whenever you're going through a situation that is not according to what God says, you have the authority to say, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive this. And you have the power of God inside of you to be able to grab that young lion and tear him up with your hands. How many say amen? Maybe it's not a physical lion, but you all got your own kind of lions. Am I right? You got your own Philistines coming against you and you got to know what to do. And God has equipped you with everything that you need to be able to be successful. Just like Samson, we go through threatening moments in our lives, but when we remember who is for us, then we come out more than conquerors. Amen? Amen? Now, let's take a look at the other side of the coin. I want to talk to you a little bit about Samson's off-the-field struggles. And unfortunately, Samson wasn't as successful off the field. He made a lot of headlines on the field, but off the field, he lacked character. In the chapter that follows, you know, right after the first chapter, we started reading in chapter 13, and basically the whole chapter is when the angel is telling his mom everything that he's going to be. You can't drink wine. You can't do this. And then it finishes by saying, and God blessed them a lot, and the Holy Spirit started to move in Samson. End of chapter 13. Now beginning chapter 14, verse 1, and we're going to read through 3. It says, now Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman. Everybody say, oh, oh. He saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Who were the Philistines? The enemies. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among all the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from an uncircumcised Philistine? <laughs> this is probably what Christian mom and dads go through nowadays when their children you know, want to date somebody that's not a Christian, right? 
Isn't there anybody that you like in the church that you have to go and look outside? That's exactly what happened here. Out of all the people, all the pretty girls here, all the Jewish girls, you have to go and look what he says. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Another version says, she is right before my eyes. Sometimes we're led by what is right before our eyes. As a matter of fact, just as a parenthesis, in these times that the people of Israel were living, there were no kings because the Bible says that everybody did what was right before their eyes. You got to know that sometimes what is right before your eyes is not the same thing that is right before God's eyes. And it's not the best for you. How many know that God knows best? There's a lot of young people here. How many know that parents know better? They, they've been there, done that, right? They've been in that situation. And when they tell you, look, I don't... I don't like that guy for you. better be careful. They see things that you probably don't see. But Samson liked her a lot. He liked her a lot. <laughs> the words of Jim Carrey. And he wanted her, and he wanted her, and he wanted her. He married her. He ended up marrying her. Now go with me to chapter 16. Everybody say that was his first flaw? wasn't allowed. He was separated for God. You can do things like everybody else. You're separated for God because God wanted to use you. You started doing things that God had said not to. Chapter 16, verse 1 through 3. It says, now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there. Everybody know what a harlot is? Prostitute. And went into her. Anyone need further explanation? No? Okay. pretty clear. When the Gazites, which were part of the Philistines, these guys were enemies, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They found out that he was in the city and he said, you know what, we're going to wait here all night until he comes out. He's, he's got to come out. Sooner or later, he's going to come out. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And verse 3 says, Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight. Look what he did. He took hold of the doors of the gate of the city. We're not talking about a door of a house. These aren't the gates to the city. You guys remember those old medieval movies? You know, like there's a castle and there's like a river and a bridge. And then these huge doors that needed like 50 people to move. The doors of the city. And the Bible says that he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and two gateposts. He pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and he carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Is that crazy or what? Like saying, Samson was here. Every time the Spirit of God came upon this man, he would receive this uncommon strength, this supernatural strength. But let me tell you something. The same happens to you and me. Whenever you face through an obstacle, if you have faith to believe everything that God says about you in the word, you have the same power in your favor. We've talked about this. You have power to speak to situations and make them change in Jesus' name, whether it be a sickness, an adversity, a physical enemy coming against you, whether it be a monetary problem or something that you're trying to get in school and you don't have the resources or you don't have the legal situation. That whatever the case may be, God is for you. And you need to have faith and understand that when the spirit of God is inside of you, and moving, you have supernatural favor. 
Come on, raise your hand. Some of you guys look like you don't believe me, but come on. We're going to work on this. Raise your hand to the sky and say, I have supernatural favor over my life. Now put it on the person next to you and tell them, you have supernatural favor from God. I know we're in football season right now, you know, the whole Super Bowl and all. But in baseball, they say three strikes and you're out. Well, God must be fond of baseball because the third strike was what brought this field warrior to his demise. Look what happened. Chapter 16, you all with me? Verse number four and five. Afterward, it happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sork. Everybody say, another woman. So we had a wife at the beginning, chapter 14, I believe it was. They ended up, it was a big house, so we don't have time to get into that. But something happened. They gave that woman to his best man in the wedding. Messed up. You can read about it at home. And he got really upset because of that. Because the Philistines heard that he was upset. They ended up burning his ex-wife. And, and then he got upset, and this whole thing happened. So there was that girl. There was the prostitute, right? The harlot. And now there's another woman. Third woman. You guys see what Samson's problem was? Maybe your problem is not women. Maybe your problem is money. Or maybe not, not necessarily the problem, but, you know, the obstacle that keeps you from serving God. Sometimes it's not. It could be a computer screen in your home and web pages that you shouldn't be visiting. It could be so many things. In this case, it was a woman. So there was a third woman in the Valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said, hey, 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 Delilah entice him, bribe him, find out where his great strength lies. Where does he get the strength? And this is another reason why I think that Samson wasn't, you know, a huge guy. Because if he would be huge, they'd know where his strength comes from. And he's, the guy's like the size of, of Goliath. It's his muscles. But something, he was, he was a twig probably, or he was like just a normal person. And all of a sudden, when he was threatened, just something came upon him. He started, I mean, like the Tasmanian devil. I mean, he'd go crazy killing a thousand people with a bone so they wanted to know where where in the world did this guy get his strength they couldn't defeat him but they went to delilah they knew his weakness so they went to delilah and tyson find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver so they told her, look, we're going to make you rich. All you need to do is get him to open his heart to you and tell you where he gets his strength. To make the long story short, the Bible says that he came and he loved this woman so much. And he put his head, he rested his head on her. And she started saying, Samson, baby, tell me, where do you get your strength? Where do you get this supernatural strength that comes upon him. And he started telling him the first time, well, if, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, then I won't have the strength anymore. So she went and she told the people, like, hey, look, seven fresh bowstrings. Guess, guess what they did? The Philistines came. They grabbed the seven fresh bowstrings. They were with her in the same room, the Bible says. And then she started lulling him to sleep. When he fell asleep, they tied him. And then she started saying, 
Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Your enemies are upon you. And the Bible says that he got up, broke the fresh bowstrings. So it was a lie. She came to him a second time, started saying, Samson, come on, how can you do this to me? I mean, I thought, I thought we were here, you know. I thought we, were, we had something going here. Do you trust me or not to tell me your secrets? By then, if he would have been smart, he would have said, look, this girl, she's not convenient for me, right? To say the least. But the second time she asked him, and he, now he told her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then that'll drain my strength. I wouldn't be able to remove myself from that situation. Well, the same thing happened. They got her robes. She lulled him to sleep. And once again, she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So they came, and he would just break through the ropes. A third time, she started telling him, come on, this time, this time, you have to tell me what it is that makes you strong. Well, he said, if you weave the seven locks of my head, remember, he had long hair, he was a Nazarite, into the web of the loom, then I will be powerless. Same exact thing happened. They did that. She started screaming, the Philistines are upon you, after he was asleep, and once again, he got up and overcame the situation. And, and I want you to look after the third lie, after this third situation, look what she says. And I'm in chapter number 6, verse 15. We're finishing up here. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You know what she was doing there? She was appealing to his feelings. That's why as Christian people, we can never be people that are led by our feelings. We are people that are walked by faith. Because your feelings are going to be all over the place. They're, they're going to be up one day, down one day. And that's exactly how you're going to be. So she started appealing. You know, this reminds me so much. Single ladies, if a guy ever tells you, if you really love me, you'll have sex with me. That's when you say, boy, bye, right? That's, that's the cue right there. See ya. She started appealing to this woman, come on. I thought you said you loved me. I thought you said you were going to take care of me. And now three times I ask you and you don't tell me the secrets. By this time, Samson was just so led by his feelings that he forgot about God's calling. And that could be so dangerous. Sometimes we don't realize it because we're lulled by Delilah's song. And we're just led by our feelings. And we forget that God has a calling for us. She said, you have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily. Check this out. That's how you know you got to run. Samson, come on, four chances. Get out of the situation because you're going to end up messing up. But she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him, says the word of God, so that his soul was vexed to death. This guy was so, I mean, he wanted to do God's will, but he already opened his heart and started giving way to what the enemy was doing. And he put his emotions and his feelings Got himself in a situation that originally God told him, look, don't mess with this because this could be detrimental to you. But he didn't care. One time, two time, third time was what brought him down. This third woman started telling her and vexing him. He felt so horrible. In verse 16, and it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart. That's it. He told her. If there are people here that are being pressured or pressed by situations that you don't have to be in, get out of it. You're still in time. 
You're still in time. Sometimes it's not situations. Sometimes it's people that talk to you, that gossip, and that tell you, and you start listening. It's the same voice of Delilah lulling you to sleep, and, and you don't see that it's the enemy behind Delilah. It's the Philistines. In this case, it's Satan trying to strip you from your calling. If you feel something or someone is moving you from the place where God placed you or from the calling that God has called you with, you need to scram. You need to get out, run, take off. He didn't do that. He succumbed to the pressure, and his success on the field turned into a failure off the field. Samson, vexed, blinded by his feelings, couldn't take it anymore, and he chose Delilah over his calling. He chose Delilah over this holy calling that God had for his life. And like many of us today, what did Samson do? He chose instant gratification over delayed gratification. We live in a generation where we want things now. God bless me now. I'm going to give my tithe for the first time, but I better see a lump of gold in my mailbox. Right? And we want instant gratification. Okay, I'm going to do this. What do I get in return? Samson didn't care about his calling, didn't care about the cost that he had to pay for that calling. And he just said, man, I just want this woman. I just want to, that's it. This is what's important for me now. He settled for an instant smaller trophy than waiting for a greater reward. He chose to love this woman who later betrayed him instead of God's calling to lead an entire nation into victory. And he finally gave in to her and said, verse 17, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. He told her the secret. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. At this point... He just opened his heart to this woman without realizing that there was somebody behind this woman out to get him. And verse 18 says, you guys joining me in the scriptures? 18 through 22, it says, When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up up to her and brought the money in their hand. She got paid. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. Be careful with that. And called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks off his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. You see, you could, you could get to a point in your life where you think that just as God has been with you all the time, he's going to be with you. And even though he made the first mistake, God continued to be with him. The second mistake, God continued to be. But it comes to a point where just like a train, when a train is going full speed ahead, you could press on the brakes but momentum will carry you. You're not going to stop right there and there. You're going to continue, but you're already breaking. And sometimes we don't realize that the decisions we make or the people we hang out with or the certain things that are stripping us from our calling are detaining us, and we're already breaking. We still see God's favor. We still see him using us in a certain capacity, but we don't realize that we're slowing down, slowing down to the point that one day you're going to be stopped. And Samson got up and he said, oh, just like I did every single other time, the Philistines are upon you. Let's go. Let's do this. Where's our bone? I don't need a bone. I'm just going to. 
And he realized that that supernatural strength that came from God was no longer there. And look what happened. The Philistines, verse 21, took him and put out his eyes. They took his eyes out. They gouged his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. The man that was chosen from his mother's womb to be a deliverer of Israel now was sitting in an enemy prison, sightless and just being mocked by anybody because he was lulled in the arms of a lady that he shouldn't have been with. What's interesting about this, as I close up, and most of the stories of the Bible that you read are encouraging stories that teach us to imitate the faith of other people. Am I right? You read about Abraham, and you're like, man, I, I need to be like Abraham because God has a promise for my life, and, and he believed God despite all the odds that were against them, and he was able to conquer. I need to be like Abraham, and we read Gideon, and we read so many stories of people, and it encourages us to believe and imitate their faith. Well, in this case, it's a story that warns us what could happen if we fall out of the grace with God. This is a story that if you listen to what God is trying to tell you tonight, you realize that it's about snapping out of your funk and not letting the devil use your feelings or others' gossip or any other kind of instant gratification to pull you away from God's calling and purpose. How many say amen? Let me ask you a few questions. Is something causing you to serve with less enthusiasm recently? Instead of wanting to pursue God and get involved in ministry, are you heading the other direction? Are your brakes already slammed on and you're just going with momentum? Are you beginning to question the very things that used to drive your intimacy with God? If so, you may be laying on Delilah's lap and your ears have been lulled by her words. You may not even notice it, but the same way these Philistines enticed Delilah by paying 1,100 pieces of silver, that gossiper or those feelings may have been enticed by Satan himself. You see, there's always the enemy is always behind all that. Before last night, I was going to title this sermon, Winners, Underdogs, and Comebacks. But God changed my message last night. Where he just changed it up a bit. And I want to close off stating that God is a God of comebacks. Tell the person next to you. Even though I'm not going to preach about this whole thing. But I want to just share that God is a God of comebacks. Amen? Maybe you are that train and you're already stopped. And you're like, how do I get this locomotive moving again? Well, God is a God of comebacks. How many say amen? You really believe it? There's nothing impossible for him. Maybe you feel like the Philistines already got the best of you, but I love that God will never, ever, ever give up on us. He'll never let go. Just like we sing. He'll never give up. He didn't give up on Samson. Maybe you've been successful on the field. Maybe you're successful at your craft. You're successful at your job. You're successful at the passion that you have. But off of it, you're far from being successful. But I got good news for you. This is halftime. The game's not over. And if you humble yourself before God and acknowledge your sin, God will restore you. And not only that, he guarantees victory in the second half. God guarantees that you're going to win. We will win this game. Now I want you guys to stand really quick. The worship team can come. Come on up. And I want to close off reading this final piece of this man's story. From what we've read to this point, it's pretty tragic. 
this guy that was meant for greatness, now he's in a prison and his enemies are just mocking him and didn't get to live out God's dream for his life or God's calling. But look what happened. Pay attention, guys. Don't get distracted. Verse 23, if you could put it on the screens. We're going to read from 23 all the way to 31. It says, now the lords of the Philistines gathered together. This was after years. He was there in prison. His hair started to grow back. They were gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon. That was their God, the God that they would worship. And to rejoice. And they said, our God, lowercase, has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us like if he was a clown. Hmm. They were merry. I'm guessing that they were all partying, drunk. You know what? Call the one that they used to call the destroyer of our land. Bring him over here. Let us, let him perform. Remember that he didn't even have eyes. He couldn't even see where he was going. It was all a joke to them. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. And then Samson said to the lad who helped him by the hand, he told him, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. So in the middle of the temple, there was 3,000 people there. In the middle of the temple, there were two huge columns and they were at arm's length. So he told the guy that was just carrying him because he couldn't see for himself, look, position me right in between these two pillars. And it says, now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord. Everybody say, God is a God of comebacks. Samson called. You see, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. You got to call out to the Lord. Humble yourself. I messed up. God, let's get this thing moving again in the right direction. And he called out to the Lord. Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle, middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them one on his right hand and the other on his left and then samson said let me die with the philistines and he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it so the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life and his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Estahol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. Can anybody say God of comebacks? I wonder what God would have done if he didn't say, let me die with the Philistines. I mean, if I was him, I'd probably say, God, I repent, but let me live. Let me kill these people and find a way of getting me out of here. But God did according to what he said. He said, let me die with the Philistines. And the Bible says that God once again, one more time, gave him the strength. The Holy Spirit came upon him and he just brought that whole Colosseum down. Just one man. You know what? I'm, I'm here to tell you that 
God has a purpose for your life, but you're always going to have opposition so that that purpose doesn't get uh, manifested or so that you won't live out the purpose that God has for your life. And it's so important to always have a heart willing to listen to the voice of God. You see, God doesn't want you just to be successful off the field. God doesn't want people just to applaud you because you hit a home run on a day or you know you you threw a touchdown and then you're home you're miserable when you where you spend most of your time you're miserable God wants you to be successful off the field and success off the field with God will always translate into success on the field in everything you do your family will be successful your money is going to start to flow your body will feel the protection or experience the protection of God everything the Bible says that he he holds us in his hands when you start listening and paying attention to what Delilah is speaking to you you're walking yourself out of God's protection God's hands I just want to do in a calling today for anyone first of all that would love to open their hearts to God if there's people here that you've never made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ every single day of your life and you want to do that today just raise your hand there where you are if everybody could just close their eyes in this whole auditorium let this is God's time and and all all that's been happening right now is for this moment here and now God wants you to know that he's for you that he has a calling but maybe maybe you've been swayed away by Delilah or swayed away by temptations or things that knocked you off course and maybe you identify with that train that's slowing down or it's already at a standstill but if you let God into your heart today, I guarantee you that whatever stuck is going to start to open. Whatever is stopped in its tracks will start flowing again. And I would like to ask if there's anybody here that's never made a decision for Christ, to follow Christ every single day of your life, and you want to do it today, raise your hand there where you are. I want to pray for you. I want to be able to lead you back into the Father's hands, into the loving Father's arms. Anybody here would like to make a decision for Christ, Raise your hand. You're that train that's slowing down. You paid attention to things that were spoken or you paid attention to situations and you let that draw you off course. You stopped living by faith and now you're living by sight. And you want to come and you want to repent and you want to say, God, I'm sorry. I've made mistakes or I've started to pay attention to voices that I shouldn't. To set my eyes on things that I shouldn't. God, and today I want to ask for forgiveness and I want you to start restoring the things that have left me. That joy that I used to serve with. That power that I will feel when the Holy Spirit will come upon me that now I don't feel. God, I want you to restore that. If that's you, as we worship, I pray that you just come to the altar. Right? Can we sing, oh, come to the altar or am I just breaking all your plans? Come. Oh, come to the altar. Can we sing it? See? I just messed them all up. <laughs> I love this song. And it's what God is telling you tonight. You know, if you're, if you're in need of whatever situation it is, if you feel that any situation is stuck in your life, man, just humble yourself. Come before the arms, the loving arms of God. And He will guarantee that you will not just be successful in the public eye or in the public sphere. You'll be successful in everything you do. The altar is open. Are you hurting, broken within? Oh, well.
down by the weight of sin Jesus is calling He's calling you tonight Have you come to the end of yourself? Do we thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling 